Good to see you this morning, and, and my name is Daryl, and along with my wife Denise, uh, we're the lead pastors here, and it's, if you're here for the very first time, it's such a privilege to have you with us, and so come on church, could we give a one more big round of applause, everybody who's here, who's new or first time, so good. Fantastic, and and you would have seen that with that, that video there was uh, was our growth track we have starting in a couple, two weeks time on Sunday November the third, and if you want to be a part of that, you can just uh, grab one of those connect cards after our service and and pop it in the information bucket as it goes around. It's fantastic to see everyone today, and and what a great night last night. I think there's lots of people who are maybe just like still praying or deep in uh, in spiritual things this morning, but but all the faithful ones, all the real Christians, come to church this morning. That is so good. All the real. Christian, so good. It's fantastic to see everybody. Please be praying for all our other South African family this afternoon. We're praying for them. We're praying for them as well. It's going to be so, so good. <laughs> uh, hey, well, we are one church that meets in six locations. And the thing I love so much about our church is this, is, is that we are a church that will do everything we can to help people know God. Because that's where it all starts from, how, how people, uh, we, can, we want to teach people how to follow Him, what it looks like. And, and the thing, here's the thing, that, that each one of us, we have a past, and, and Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel is to give us freedom in our lives, to, that we may find freedom. Uh, and it's amazing to see how people, as they, they grow in the things of the Lord and as they connect into uh, to a life-giving church, is that you will, will learn to discover your purpose because, because you were created and uniquely by God. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And, and to discover your purpose is such an incredibly fulfilling thing, somewhere where you will be effective in everything you do. Uh, and it's amazing. All of that happens is that we can make a difference in our world. We're a church that believes that there's always a next step for each one of you. And as long as we're living and breathing, God's still got a next step for each one of us. So it is fantastic this morning. And, and, and as you know, Christmas is coming up really, really fast. So you'll hear over the next few weeks just uh, about our Christmas production, doing a little bit differently uh, this year, but that's going to be an amazing production as well. And, and the other thing that I want to let you know about is next Sunday, uh, we're continuing on our series with our pastor Hayley Barrett uh, from our Manurewa campus, going to be preaching next week. And and uh, afterwards as well, uh, after our service, she's going to be, uh, she's the principal of Elam Leadership College and going to be doing an info session after our service all about the internships and the programs that Elam Leadership College do. So, so look out for that next week after our service is going to be amazing. Hey, well, this is, we're, we're kicking off our series, or actually we're doing part two of our series called Church 1.0. Uh, and it's been a series that, we, that we've really felt God speaking to us about because there's things that we can learn from the early church. Uh, and more specifically, there was four key practices that the early church uh, did or they practiced uh, that really made an incredible difference that saw their community transformed them. And you might think, yeah, that was way over 2,000 years ago. How does that be relevant for us today? Well, this series is all about uh, the relevance of those things that the first church, the early church, uh, did back then. And, and we've got a key passage we're going to read in a second here. But, but last week, we, we kicked off about, about why does Sundays matter? Uh, why do Sundays matter? Well, well and, and, and that's tied up with the key practice, the first key practice of the apostles' teaching. And as we look at 2,000 plus years on, the, the relevance of, of what was happening back then and how it applies to us today, uh, we believe that around Sunday services or Sunday gathering together is really important. Why is that? Well, we talked last week about how, how we can come together and we can celebrate, uh, that we can be inspired by the Word of God, but also be prepared for the week 
that comes uh, that we are facing. Because here's the thing, we, we want to be a church, we want to always have messages that we say things on Sunday to help you on Monday. And the Bible, the Word of God, is the most relevant book on the planet. Uh, and it was, it's God-breathed, it's living and active. And if we get into it, it will totally change our lives and our families and our friends' lives as well. The second part we, we're going to be doing today is let's read our scripture first, actually. Acts chapter 2, and, and as you come in, you would have got some sermon notes that you can take hold of and, and read along with us here this morning. And, and this is our passage for the whole series, and it's Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Let's read. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Uh, they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number of those who were being saved daily. They, the early church, they devoted themselves to these four practices and, and to the apostles' teaching, and, which we looked at last week, to fellowship, which we're going to look at today and unpack, unpack that some more, uh, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, which is a powerful one. And, and we, we unpack that and we're going to look deeper into this over the next four weeks. And, and can I say, can I encourage you to, during the week, to maybe get online to their website and you can listen to the messages again. But, but get into that, that passage of scripture there because there's some incredible truths that will help change your life. And today, today in part two, we're looking at the practice of fellowship. The practice of fellowship and what that actually looks like uh, and how that can be benefit our lives today. Come on, let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for your goodness to us right now. And, and Lord, I pray uh, just your blessing over our time together that, that Lord Jesus, you would speak to us, oh God. Lord Jesus, will you give us ears to hear what you're wanting us to hear this morning? And will you speak to our hearts, Lord God? And, and Lord, that we would be inspired by your word, oh God, the word of God that is living and breathing and active in our lives. So Father, today, Lord Jesus, I pray we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So fellowship. Uh, what is fellowship? Now, now it's kind of one of those words that if maybe if you've been around for a while, for a long time, you would have heard of fellowship, but it's kind of been a bit of a church word. And, and But here's the thing, you, you probably, after the service, I'm probably not going to come to you and say, come on, uh, what about some fellowship this afternoon? Or, or do you feel like doing some fellowship? Or you, you're not going to go to McDonald's and go through the drive-in and, and can you, and you say to the lady, would, the lady's not going to say to you, would you like some fellowship with those fries? They're not going to say that to you. Uh, you're not going to go to pack and save, pack and save. And if, if you were to do this, something would, might, you might get a different result. But if you were, as you're putting your groceries through and, and you talk to the lady and say, could, could I have some fellowship with my groceries? One of two things are going to happen. First, they may call security. <laughs> the second thing is they may just think you're completely strange and off your rocker, um, which is probably it. Uh, see, fellowship is something that we've kind of known or is a word that we've used, but but here's the other thing. I'm just going to burst a few bubbles here. It's also not some fellows in a ship either. 
just to be clear. It's not that either. But, but you, you may know it. You, you may know it of like, but we may say things like, hey, what about catching up for coffee this week? Or why don't you come around? Let, let's do dinner. Uh, how about a movie? Let's chill out together or hang out together. And, and, and although that's, that's on its way to what fellowship means, it's, there's a whole lot more than just chilling out, hanging out to do with fellowship. So, so we're going to look at this some more this morning. And the truth is that the early church, uh, the early church uh, was a key practice of what they did. And, and in Acts chapter 2 and 4, uh, there's something about the gathering of Christians uh, that is quite unique. Uh, and in the text that we just saw right now, there's a word uh, that is translated to what we get fellowship today. And that word is called koinonia. Koinonia. It's in your notes this morning. And, and, and that really means, it translates to fellowship this word and the essential meaning of, of this word it embraces ideas and, and, and thoughts or that they convey to us in that word like community, uh, like communion, uh, like joint participation, intimacy, uh, sharing and it appears over 19 times in the New Testament and, and it's a really important word, it was incredibly important uh, to the early church and, 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 and it's because of this that it helps us to focus on Christ and his desires and his goals for us. Uh, because true Christian fellowship does a couple of things. Get this, true Christian fellowship does two things. One, it sharpens one another's faith. Uh, and it also stirs us to exercise that faith and love and good works all for the glory of God. You see, the practice of koinonia or fellowship in the early church was like nothing that the world uh, at that stage had ever seen. And and, and it wasn't just people being nice to each other. It wasn't just people hanging out with, with, with each other. They weren't just tolerating each other. They, they, but there was a real commitment, uh, and it was to real care and to practical helps for one another. Uh, it was a generosity that truly understood that someone else's needs were more important than our own. See, the early church had an incredible awareness Incredible awareness that this was the real deal if they wanted into this. That there was going to be a cost. That there was going to be a cost. They were, they were going to have to get real and let some barriers down. There was no more hiding behind a mask anymore. There was no more lies or excuses so they could be seen to be in, but they had to be straight up. It was something where they had to be real, and there was real honest chats. Because here's the thing, it was a commitment uh, to being honest and truth. Here's, here's a question for each one of us to think about this morning. Do you have someone in your life uh, who loves you, believes in you, and can tell you when you've messed up? Have you got one of those people in your life? It's, it's that kind of person. It's that kind of person that, uh, that you can journey through stuff with of life and but you come to the end of it and, and it doesn't feel like you've been told off. It feels like you've had a big hug from them. Have you got one of those people in your lives? If you haven't got one of those people in your lives, and I kind of like to suggest, well, maybe you haven't quite experienced what the Bible was talking about, koinonia, fellowship just yet. But here's the thing, you can if you want to take the next step. So koinonia, this... This concept of koinonia and fellowship, and, and, and because, because left to myself, because if that's just about me, uh, I'm just not that kind at times. I, I, there's a bit of road rage. Is any road rages in the building here today? Don't put your hand up. Don't put your hand up. Don't put your hand up. <laughs> you know, because if it's left to ourselves, 
if it's left to ourselves, we don't want to be that kind sometimes. We, we don't feel like being generous all the time or, or generous at all. And sometimes when the rubber meets the road, we don't feel like forgiving others. And we don't feel like liking others sometimes because, because when, it's, when it's put to ourselves, when it's all about us, we will struggle to find that. And really, uh, koinonia and fellowship is one of these things. It's like moving from friendship to fellowship. It's another dimension in relationships uh, that the early church discovered and was incredibly, incredibly powerful. See, like uh, one of the things I love about when I read the scripture is that uh, like all these four practices, they were nothing by dry, but dry bones by themselves. They were not, by themselves, they were just good ideas and, and good thoughts, but, uh, but with, within the, within, without the breath and the power and the life of the Holy Spirit, that they were nothing. They were just ideas. But today, because of the Holy Spirit empowering them, they could devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to meeting together and sharing what they had for each other. And, and I, don't know, I don't know how many times, uh, you've probably experienced this myself, I don't know how many times I've, I've come to church or, and, and, somebody, and I will say to somebody, good morning, how are you this morning? And you know what the response is going to be generally right from the start. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Great, thank you. But how are you? Very well, thank you. And this is a big circle thing that goes around that has like a default answer of if you ask somebody how they are, they will generally 99.9% say, I am fine, thank you. And they will push it back onto you and say, how are you? And we've all probably experienced that, and there's times where we can't sit and chat and, and talk uh, all the time, but, but the thing is this, if we're going to walk in the freedom and the healing and the purpose that God has for us, we will need the support of a community of other believers who are moving in the same direction. If you're an island, if you're out feeling uh, lonely or out by yourself today, come on, can I challenge you today to take a step, to maybe let some walls down, to let some barriers down, maybe to take the mask off and let a small group of people see who you really are. Because I think God's got some next steps for each one of us to take. Because it's those times, it's those times that we will get on that journey of finding freedom. And when we have some trusted people, some trusted people of, of spiritual, uh, spiritually sound and strong that we can help you in this journey. So how do we find and experience this fellowship like, like the early church discovered? And, and for us today, uh, one of, I'm going to talk to you about a, one of our key steps and our strategies to help you discover and know what it is to have real, authentic koinonia or fellowship. Uh, and wait for it, wait for it. This is going to be a big surprise to some of you. It's called small groups. <laughs> small groups. It's where we grow smaller as we grow bigger. Come on, why don't you check out the big screen right now? So I've recently immigrated from New Zealand. Um, about two weeks into being in New Zealand, was driving around church hunting, drove past Elam Christian Centre, uh, decided to walk in, sat down in the first service, absolutely loved it. Was then introduced to a small group leader that invited me to the first night of their course. I got there, was nervous as anything. But once being there, um, I became comfortable and, and absolutely loved it. 
so at small group, when we first get there, we have coffee and tea. I love the company, we sit and chat, talk to each other about our days, minister to each other. But we do sit and we watch contents and videos that can be quite juicy and instrumental in our life. But I definitely love the fact that we can sit and sort of mull over questions and, and scripture to go through. My small group helped me through a massive crisis in my life. I had come to New Zealand, I was here on my own. My husband was only coming three months later. I had to find a home, had to somehow fill my home and sort of I'd mentioned to my small group that this was my situation. They stepped in, went far beyond what I could ever imagine. They turned up with couches and washing machines and plates and knives and forks and coffee cups, which are important. What I really, really loved about my small group was that they were there to support me. They were my support system. They were my family. If you haven't joined a small group yet, I'd really recommend you do. Not only does it help you in your journey and finding who you are, but it grows you spiritually. It points you in the direction you need to be, where you're called to be. But it's also a great support system. It's the way to make friends, it's a way to make family, to find one where you feel like you can belong. Being part of a small group has been the key to finding freedom. Small Groups Church 101, the early church discovered that that fellowship, real fellowship, uh, could, couldn't be done in a corporate gathering or when there's lots and lots of people around because to find, uh, find freedom and real true friendship and, and fellowship, we had to go smaller. They had to go smaller as they grew bigger. And, and, and this morning, if, if you're not a part of a small group, I, hey, I want to encourage you, there's going to be a team in the foyer afterwards, and they'll, they'll take your name and they'll take your details and give you some suggestions. There's a little handout there as well of, of some new groups coming and some small groups across all sorts of different areas. But, but here's the thing, the small groups do a few things that we're going to mention this morning that, that I, I kind of find is really powerful and a huge benefit for you and for I to be a part of a small group. And small groups are, the first thing is this, is that small groups are where we find safety. Uh, and uh, have, you, have you ever seen the National Geographic program on, uh, and about the, the African plains and where there's, where the, there's the migration of wildebeest and they're, they're traveling in thousands, sometimes going to be thousands of these big wildebeest uh, traveling through the plains and through harsh terrain and looking for water uh, as, they, as they move around those, those, some of those desert places. And, and, and you'll see that there's lions there sometime and the lions will be kind of stalking them and watching them. But, but for some reason, when they're in a pack, the lions never attack, and the, the lions are really looking for those ones who are stragglers. 
for the ones who wander off or get lost. And then you'll see on, the, on those programs where the lions will pounce on the one, but they never seem to attack the packs because, because in numbers, where there's lots of them, they, they, they seem to have, be, have strength together. They are stronger and they're better. The lions hide and wait because they, they see all of these wildebeest going past and think there's thousands of mules there on legs walking past them. But what they're really trying to do is they're trying to separate the one off. They're trying to pick the one off. Maybe the ones who are a little bit unwell or, or, or decide to go their own way and they go there and, and they take off by themselves. Then you'll see that the lions pounce on them. And, and small groups are, are one of these things. That small groups are, are great because they're a place where you can find safety. They're a place where you can find authentic community, friendships and family, and, and it's where we can grow and begin to thrive and a place to learn and, and how to walk with and maybe run with the gifts and passions that God has placed in your heart. There's huge benefits to being in a small group. Proverbs 11 verse 14 says this, it says, for lack of guidance, a nation falls. Maybe you could put that down for yourself, for lack of guidance, a, a person falls. But victory is won through many advisors. When we're together with other people, there is victory. See, reality is we are stronger together. See, when I fall down, I want somebody to help me back up. When you fall down, I want to be there to help you to get up again. The second thing is the small groups are where needs are met. See, do you have a group of people who know what's going on in your world? Have you got someone else or some other people that know when you are sick? Have you got people around you or are you a part of a, a group or people when, when they know that you're struggling with relationships or addictions or people who really know who we are? Do you have anyone like that? Because, because the real thing, the real meaning of this coin and era of fellowship, it becomes, becomes real when we're a part of that, when we let those walls down and other people in. See, we read in Acts chapter 4, an amazing story where Peter and John were, were, were out and about. They were arrested, get this, for, for, seeing, uh, for praying for a man who couldn't walk, who was lame. They were arrested and thrown in prison for praying for this man and seeing him healed. Uh, they, were, they were tormented in prison and they were brought out before the authorities and the leaders that day. And, and they were told to don't speak about this anymore. And, and, and they were wanting, these leaders were really trying to, to punish them and to interrogate them and, and really hurt them. Uh, but they, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, get past the truth that one day this man couldn't walk, he was lame. And the next day he was walking, he was running around everywhere. So they said to Peter and John, to Peter and John, do not speak about this anymore, which of course they didn't. They said, you need to shut up about this and not influence our community about this. But Peter and John, they went around telling everyone in the community because the community could see what had happened as well. They could see that this man who couldn't walk one day was now walking the next day. And what was all of that about? See, here's the thing. When, you, when you've got the good news inside of you or when you see something amazing, you want to tell other people about it. You don't want to keep it to yourself. You want to speak and, and tell people about it exactly what has happened. And, and so encouraged by what Peter and John did that the whole church community at that time began to pray. And they began to pray and look what happened for them in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power 
the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. It's amazing. I hear every week uh, stories from from yourselves and from people uh, in small groups where we're exactly like that. People have come from the other side of the world and have nothing. They, they come to like little old New Zealand that's nearly basically Antarctica and they don't know what to expect or, or what's going to happen there and they, they get connected into a church and find a small group and, and all of a sudden people start giving them some wisdom and guidance and, and helping furnish their homes and as, as they find friendships or as they're waiting for families to come, what a huge thing that is to do. So, so all of you ones here that have done that, I take my hat off to you. What a, what a huge step to take. And, and I, I pray, my prayer is that you find in small groups that people will, will help you, that your needs are getting met or, and being helped there in those places. I hear stories about people giving people food. When there's not enough food on their table, they, they open their cupboards up and they, they give it to people that are just struggling for the day. And, and then I've heard stories about small groups where, where the, there's a people in their small groups have lost someone and where someone has passed away and, and the whole small group turns up to the, to the funeral, to the service to support and show love and, and just to gather around those ones. What a powerful, powerful community or coin in there that you and I can experience in a small group. The third and final thing is this, that small groups are where we find freedom. Is anyone here struggling with something they wish was gone out of their lives? Is anyone struggling with maybe addictions or attitudes or anger or unforgiveness or stuff? Have you told someone? What, what about struggles? What about things that you're going through that you're keeping to yourself and you're getting isolated and Reality is, is that getting hurter and hurter, I don't know if that's a word, but hurt more and hurt more and <laughs> getting better and better and like those wildebeest that are just wandering off from the pack and because you're wounded and you're not feeling like being a part of a small, you're not feeling like coming to church on Sunday, you're not feeling like getting into the word of God and you're, and you're drifting. Can I say today, don't, don't be like the wildebeest that, that drifts off from the pack because you will get picked off. Real coin in here, real family is, is discovered in a, in a loving church community where we are real with one another, where you find a place to take down your mask because, because here's the thing, it's, it's like when you tell some trusted people within your small group, it's like doing surgery. It, it, it hurts at the start. But we all know that, that we need surgery sometimes in our bodies because even though the pain is there after surgery, that we do get better and we are healed. The same thing with you and I in our lives. It's almost like the simple act of, of talking to somebody closely and in your small group, maybe your small group leader, where you can take your mask off and be, show the real you. There's power in it. Matthew 18 verse 19 to 20 says this. It says, again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. See, the truth is that the enemy wants to keep you locked up. 
The enemy wants to keep you, your life a secret. He wants you to hide. He wants you to, to run. He wants you to be in prison or live a life in bondage. But, but God has another plan. God has another plan for, for you to experience community and koinonia fellowship and, and his love and his power and his freedom. He, he's got that all for each one of us. And, 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 and see, fellowship that understands in a, in a small group this morning and with, with trusted people there, small groups, fellowship that understand that there's power when two or more are gathered together in his name. Two or more are gathered together in his name. Come on, band, you can come up quietly. Just There's an old movie, old movie called Braveheart. And you've probably, many of you have probably seen it. It's about a, it's set in the early 1300s about a, a Scottish man named William Wallace. And William Wallace is the guy that painted his face blue and was riding on a horse. If you haven't seen the movie, it's... Um, and he did this incredible speech where you, you might know between the two armies because the, in the Scottish, when the, the War of Scottish Independence was going on, King Edward I, the two armies were fighting. King Edward's army of England was fighting the Scottish army and, and William Wallace was on the Scottish army, so he was Scottish. And he was the guy that was doing this speech for freedom. And right at the scene of that movie, there's a, there, there's a scene where... Uh, William Wallace, he asked the army, the Scottish army, so what do you want? What will we do? And one guy kind of yells out, he pipes up and says, we will run. Because there's too many English, we will run. And, And that's kind of the start of this amazing speech from William Wallace. He says, you can run. You can run and, and, and you can live and die in your beds. Or we can go and we can face them and fight for our freedom. William Wallace was was this guy who stood up and he tried to encourage his army that this is, he was basically saying, hey, if we want to be free, we have to take a step and we have to go for it. You can fight for your freedom or you can live with the bondage for your whole life. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. In fact, it's amazing news because Jesus came to give you and I freedom. I wish I had a horse. He come to give us freedom. Do you want your freedom? How much do you want your freedom? What William Wallace was really trying to say to these people, how much do you want freedom? Do you want to go through some tough stuff to be free and live your life? Or do you want to walk away from it, run from it, hide from it, not share anything with anybody, not be a part of a small group? Do you want to live with it and maybe die in your beds from what? From old age. Or do you want to face it? Can I say today that the message of the gospel is to give you freedom. That Jesus Christ has already paid the price for your freedom. He paid it once and for all. And we live in the great blessing today where, where Jesus has done all this stuff for us. He's given us life, life to abundance and freedom if we choose to accept Him. Come on, right where you are right now. Come on, why don't, why don't we take a moment right here? Why don't why don't you close your eyes when no one's looking around? And so I just believe that 
that God is here and the, and the Holy Spirit wants to, wants to speak to you. You are unique, you are called, you are loved by Him. And, and if I ask you that question right now where you are, it's simply this, what do you wanna be free from? What do you wanna be free from? What would you say to that? Maybe there's a person that's just popped into your mind or maybe there's an addiction that is there in front of you right now that say, God, man, I'd love to be free from that. Maybe there's an attitude or maybe there's unforgiveness where there's like, you're just angry. Somebody's done something or you've lost something or you can't find something and it's just, it's just making you so, so angry that it's crippling you. Right here in this place right now, I'm gonna pray that that today's the start of your freedom journey today. Freedom starts with Jesus, His touch upon your life. But it also starts with you. Coming to Him and saying, God, I don't want this anymore. I, I don't want this pain. I don't wanna live my life like this anymore. I'm, I, I'm stuck in a rut and I don't know how to get out. God, I give it to you. That's your first step. Father, right across this place right now, Lord, I know you're speaking to hearts and lives, Lord. Father, I pray for right now, would you heal frustrations, Lord God? Situations that didn't work out the way you thought. And it's like you've been picked off. It's like you've got separated from the group, from the herd. And you've lost this fellowship, this coin in here. You've lost relationship with people. But you're so desperate to have it back. To have it back in the right way. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, would you just sweep across this place with your healing touch, Father. Lord, be, help people to be bold and courageous to take those steps, Lord God, to be part of what you're doing, Father God, to, to search and seek out, Father God, people who love them. Well, tell it to us straight, oh God. In Jesus' mighty name. You also may be here and you don't really know who Jesus is. That You might say that you're far away from Him and and today I, I wanna I wanna invite you, if that's you, if you wanna say yes to Jesus today, I'm gonna invite you to pray a real simple prayer after me in a moment. Because here's the thing, Jesus Christ, He went to the, He paid the price for you already. He took your sin and sin is the stuff that separates us from God and, and, and but He made a way that He would pay the price and that He would atone for what we have done. And, and, and Jesus did this, He took your sin to the cross and, and when He died, He took it to the grave for you, but He rose again on the third day that you may have life, you may know freedom from your past, life today and a future filled with hope. So this morning, right now I'm gonna pray and if you, if you wanna say yes to Jesus, just pray this prayer silently in your heart after me, pray this prayer. Dear God, today I give you my life. Please forgive me of my sin. I don't want to be separated from you anymore. Jesus, I accept you today. I accept your free gift of love 
of grace and mercy. Thank you today that I can become brand new, washed clean in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I wanna help you on this journey. And, and today in our team, we'd love to be able to pray with you, get some information into your hands. And if you prayed that prayer, saying, saying yes to Jesus, maybe coming back to Jesus right now. We're not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna count to three. And on three, I want you to lift your hand up so I can see and pop your hand down again. And we'll have some information after our service. If that's you, you wanna say yes to Jesus right now. One, two, three. Lift your hand right now. Lift your hand if you wanna say, Jesus, count me in. Hallelujah. Praise your name. How many wanna say that to Jesus today? Count me in, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the mighty name of the Lord. Come on, church, can we give all of those people a big round of applause who just prayed that prayer? Hallelujah, praise your name, oh God. Awesome, can we thank Daryl for that message this morning?